0: Uh, we want to just share with you uh, just a story as we launch into uh, this story of these, this idea of building and creating a family legacy. You know, all through our church, there are many of you that, that have a story about this. And over the coming weeks, Pastor Lynn is just going to take us on a journey of what it means to put Christ in the center of our
1: families You're going to hear just a story from a couple in our church, Mark and Leah Asdell. And they're actually part of our After I Do class here, a young married couple. um, And they have an amazing story that we wanted to share with you before Pastor Lynn comes up to take a look.
2: I'm Leah and married to Mark.
1: My name is Mark and we've been going to Cornerstone for three and a half years.
2: We were married for close to four years before I got pregnant with Aubrey. It didn't take me too long to get pregnant with her, but I had a terrible pregnancy. It was awful. I was so sick the whole time.
1: And I told her that you don't have to go through this again if you don't want to. But we eventually, you know, gave it a shot and tried to see if she would get pregnant again because with Aubrey, it was only a couple months that took her to get pregnant. So we thought, you know, we'd just get pregnant again, no problem.
2: So we tried to have another baby for two years and no result, went to the doctors, everything was fine, but never had any luck.
1: Um, There were a couple times in between where we had thought she was pregnant and potential miscarriage, we just, we weren't really sure, it was still early on.
2: We had talked about adoption a long time ago and we've always been open to it but we talked about it more. And I said, I'm not opposed to it or anything, but it's so expensive. Like we don't have that much money. And if God really wants us to adopt, he'll just put it in our laps. (laughs) In March, we were traveling and we're in the airport and we walked by a family restroom. I was taking Aubrey to the bathroom. And she said, mom, we don't have a baby at our house yet. So I looked at her like, no we don't so I asked her how do you think we get a baby and she looked at me and said well somebody's gonna have one they're gonna give it to us and then it won't be theirs anymore and then they're gonna have another one and give that one to us and that one won't be theirs anymore either at the time I thought that is so weird what three-year-old comes up with that. We had not known anyone who had adopted, so I went along with it and asked her, well, are they gonna be girls or boys? She said, they're gonna be girls, and one of them will be named Charlotte. Then June 1st is when I got a text out of the blue from a friend telling us that there was a mom pregnant with twin girls, and she wanted to place them in a Christian home. And Mark said, oh, that's totally like, a God thing, we have to follow it and see what happens. I was like, you don't think that's a little crazy? I mean, that cause I asked her when are they due? And they were due in August.
1: We didn't know how we were gonna do it. We had some money, but really didn't have any idea how much it was gonna
2: cost. So as I talked to the attorneys and heard how those charges rack on up there, it was definitely overwhelming, it was gonna be much more expensive than we thought it would have been. We were actually gonna be thousands of dollars short.
1: A friend had set up a donation account. They linked it to PayPal and then through that, donations just started coming in more than we could ever have imagined.
2: So we got the text even to find out these little girls existed on June 1st and then they were actually born on June 28th.
1: When we got home, that bond started growing, and it's as if they're not adopted.
2: From the day we found out these girls existed, God has answered our prayers almost instantaneously. There have been several times I was praying at night for something just overwhelmed by something going on with the process, and the next morning, literally, that prayer was answered.
1: After I Do has been a great place for us in the three and a half years that we've we've been a part of it. And then with these girls that the amount of support and people that have stepped up to help us has been almost overwhelming.
2: I actually never would have expected that people would be so sweet and kind. And it has made me cry at times. It's been amazing. We have the best friends who have helped us out with so many things even volunteering to spend the night and feed in the middle of the night.
1: And we thought you know we would get pregnant a second time and have a second child and God obviously decided otherwise that we would adopt and have two additional children.
2: I never would have expected that we would be entrusted with twin girls. I mean I still can't even fathom how It all really came together and how God worked out all these little pieces and we haven't had to worry about it. I mean, even though I did. (laughs) Uh, But even now, I feel like um, now that they're here, I have even more peace that he'll see us the rest of the way through and I don't have to worry about all those last little details. I can focus on just taking care of them. You know, I think that Just waiting on his timing is difficult, but it always is the best thing for us, even when we think we know better.
0: Hey, uh, we are going to spend the next couple weeks together talking about this idea of family. And here's the interesting thing, is that family is such a huge influence. It is so powerful in its effects in our lives. Short of you finding a relationship with Jesus Christ, there is probably nothing that will change you or mold you or form you like your family. And yet in the midst of that, often we don't, we don't even think about how we're doing family, and yet family in many ways is doing us. It is forming and making us uh, who we are. Some of us, uh, you were born in a family maybe where finances were really, really frugal, and you came away from that moment saying, look, I, I'm just not going to be that way. I'm not going to live my life in such austerity and, and my kids never having anything. And that has formed how you live and do life right now. Some of you may have come from just the opposite situation. Maybe finances were frivolous, and so the family was fraught with fear every time unexpected bills came. And you just said, look, I, I cannot do that to people I love, and, and I'm, I'm going to have some sort of reserve in my life. But you were formed by that. Some of us watched our parents go to church on Sunday and then come back on Monday and be completely different people. And we saw the hypocrisy of their life. We just said, look, I, if that's what being a Christian and following God is, then I don't want any part. Some of us spent years and years and years away from God because of what we experienced in our family. Some of us had just the opposite. Some of us uh, grew up in homes where Christ was the center, and we just said, that's, that's just how life is supposed to be. And, and my biggest challenge is to carry on that legacy uh, to my children. But at the end of the day, you and I were deeply Deeply formed by our family. I, I catch myself uh, saying things, having words come out of my mouth, and they sound like my dad. <laughs> I, 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 th- I know moments in relationships, and, and, and I'll be reserved, and I know that comes exactly from my mom. And if you stop for a moment and pause, you, you would come to the same, you would say, the fingerprints of my family immediate and extended, are all over my life. And this has had an incredible influence, either to the positive or in some of our lives to the negative. But all of us have been touched by family. And here's the incredible part. Most of us don't have a family plan for our family. Uh, We may have tweaked a few things that we experience. We may say, look, I'm going to do this a little bit differently. But for the most part, you and I are absolutely ignoring this incredibly, incredibly powerful thing uh, in our lives. And so we're going to spend the next few weeks just saying, what would it look like to create a family legacy? What would it look like to do family on purpose that, that we would end up with the result we wanted to have, that, that we would influence people the way we wanted to influence, that we would leave the fingerprints on our children that we wanted to leave? Uh, the name of the uh, sermon series is Untitled, and uh, here's how we got there. Here's how we chose that. It, it was out of this idea that says, Every generation in your family and every generation of the Smiths has had the opportunity to write a chapter in the Smith family story. Every generation gets to write their own chapter. But here's the deal. The Smith family story isn't done yet. The Edwards family story hasn't been completed. And right now, you, me, we are writing our chapter. And how cool would it be if the chapter that you and I write, the chapter of your generation, were so powerful in the Edwards family story that it became the title of the book? What if your chapter was the pivotal chapter in your family story, the chapter that marked everything else about the Edwards? The Smiths were never the same because of your family and how you live. Wouldn't that be amazing? So we called it Untitled because you and I have the opportunity to write the title of the Edwards family. Now, I know there's some of us in the room and you go, look, I'm, I'm an empty nester. My kids are already gone. I've already messed them up. <laughs> you're, you're a day late, a dollar short. Banks for nothing. And here's what I'm going to say to you, guys, don't, don't you dare, don't you, don't you dare. Do not underestimate the influence of grandparents. And I am just, I'm standing in front of you today as someone who has to say, my grandparents played huge, huge influence in my family life. And so even, even if your kids are, you're still writing your chapter. And you have the opportunity, if, if you need to, to still change the chapter. Some of you in the ring going, look, I'm single, and I'm not even thinking about this, I'm just trying to figure out who to date and career stuff. I, 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 you're, you're way ahead on the deal. You're writing your chapter right now. Uh, you are making decisions right now that will become your story. <laughs> uh, you're dating people right now that you may end up <coughs> married to, and if that's the wrong person, that, that could change your entire story. You're developing habits right now. So you're going, look, I'm young, I'm single, I I can do whatever I want. But you're developing habits right now that if you're not careful, will become your story. So I'm just going to tell you, there's nobody in this room who's immune from this conversation because every one of us is part of a family. So what I want to do is just to dive in this morning, get going, uh, as we begin to talk about this idea of what does it mean to create a family legacy? What does it mean to be writing a chapter that's so powerful that it becomes the title of the book? And so if you grab your Bibles, go with me to Psalms chapter 78, because I believe we encounter someone here who says, this is how you do this. This is how you write a family story that generations behind you will tell your story. It's it's, uh, Psalms chapter 78. And again, if if you're not familiar today how to get there, it's pretty easy. Just take your Bible, put your thumbs in the middle, open it up. Chances are uh, you're going to find this book of Psalms. Uh, If you find the book of Jobs, it's not what you think. Um, Go a little bit to the right. um, You'll find this book of Psalms. Psalms chapter uh, 78. Do me this as we're going through. Try and follow along. See if you can get a gist of… what he's saying here about how to write a a family legacy. Psalms chapter 78, we'll start in uh, verse 1 together. Here's what it says. O my people, hear my teaching, listen to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter hidden things, things from old. And then now he begins. What we have heard and known, what our fathers have told us, we will not hide them from our children. We will tell the next generation. So, he he goes, look, there's a family story. There's… there's something that's gone on before we ever got here, and that family story is part of us, and we will not fail to tell the past family story. He then goes on. Back to verse 3, what we have heard and known and what our fathers have told us, verse 4, we will not hide them from our children. We will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, His power and the wonders He has done. He decreed statutes for Jacob and He established the law in Israel, which He commanded our forefathers, ready, to teach their children. So, He says, look, there were generations who went before us, That's a story, that's a… but now it's our time, and our time right now is to leverage the story of the past into the present as we teach our children, to take what has happened to make it bear on what is going to happen in our family in the present. Verse 6, so the next generation would know them, the stories, even the children yet to be born, and they in turn would tell their children… And he said, "Look, the most powerful thing that we do is, is instill in the lives of our children this idea that says, "And you get to write the next chapter of the Edwards story." It, it doesn't stop here. It goes on with you, and to leverage the Edwards story into future generations." Then they would Ray verse seven, then they would put their trust in God and would not forget His deeds, but would keep His commands. They would not be like their forefathers, a stubborn, rebellious generation whose hearts were not loyal to God, whose spirits were not faithful to Him. Okay, so three phases, three steps in this idea of creating a family legacy. So jump with me back to step number one, verse three. Here we go. Here's what it says. What we have heard and known, what our fathers told us about our relatives, about our family history, about how we got to today. Verse 4, we will not, you ready, hide them from our children. Here's what you need to know, generations before you wrote the story, that the generations that preceded you were writing the Edwards, the Smiths, the Johnsons, family story. But you and I have to decide as we caretake that story what we're going to do. And here's the interesting thing. You and I, I think, are often tempted to whitewash the past, to, to somehow take the less desirable moments of our family history and kind of sweep them under the rug. And yet, here uh, the psalmist says, We will not hide them. You know, it, it, it's Uncle Ted. And everybody knows <laughs> Uncle Ted stole horses for a living. And that's what he did. I mean, one one would have been a mistake, but by the time he got to 14, he was a horse thief. And let's just let's just say out loud what Uncle Ted was and what Uncle Ted did. Because the power of the story is not that you rewrite your family history so that your kids feel good about Uncle Ted. The power of the story is that they see the mistakes of Uncle Ted, understand where he went, that they would never go. It's Aunt Alice, and guys, you've been at funerals, you you know this, Aunt Alice is mean as a cob. I mean, man, you you walk in, she cannot… she says stuff out of her mouth that is so harmful, so hurtful. I mean, you go in the room and it's just… it is just so unbelievably… Incorrect what she says, and people walk out of the room wounded, and then Aunt Alice dies. And we go to her funeral, and here's what we say: Boy, good old Aunt Alice. (laughs) Always spoke her mind. No, she didn't. She harmed and hurt and wounded everybody she came in contact with. And guys, I'm just I'm just telling you, you and I do our family no favors because here's the thing you need to get. Here's here's the moment. You ready? If you and I never talk about, if you and I never declare out loud the mistakes of the past, they cannot become the lessons of the future. Let me say that again because it's huge. If you and I don't speak with honesty about our family and about the mistakes of the past, they cannot become the lessons of the future. And our children and our children's children become doomed to repeat the failures. And instead, when you and I are trans, when you ask, "Go look," this is just how it was, and this is what it was, and, and where Aunt Alice went, you don't want to go, and what Uncle Ted did, you don't want to do. Then suddenly, our children get to stand on the shoulders of their ancestors, and say, "Look, I don't, I don't have to do that. I don't have to go where they went. I've got a relative who already showed me what that path." And I, no thanks, no thanks. Okay. So here's what he did. I broke broke out the family uh, portraits for you today. So, uh, okay, Okay. it'll be short, I promise. Okay, so starting with Grandma uh, McCready. Grandma McCready is actually uh, my great-grandmother. She was a young lady in the 1900s. Uh, Grandma McCready had uh, three husbands. Now, guys, think about that for a moment in the context of the 1900s. Uh, what, what type of a gal you were, if, if, I mean, three husbands. And, and the truth is, guys, about Grandma McCready is, uh, she was a hard-drinking, chain-smoking, cussing-card-playing, ornery woman who ran <laughs> off the first two husbands. <laughs> Grandma McCready's great Great-Grandma McCready's daughter, uh, my great-aunt Helen… Uh, here is uh, my great-aunt Helen… Uh, 13 husbands. Uh, this is, uh, Uncle Hank. He's the last man standing. Uh, I don't know if Aunt Helen got tired. I don't, you know, I don't know what that was. Uh, last man standing. Uh, 13 husbands. There's two other men in the mix. We just haven't found documentation. My great Aunt Helen's sister, my grandmother, Grandma uh, Thelma, um, her first husband died, uh, but then she had uh, two more uh, husbands after that. And I'm just going to tell you that as you go down my family uh, history, uh, there's a story there, and it's it's not necessarily a great uh, story. Uh, here's the interesting thing, though, with Grandma Thelma, uh, the story begins to change. Uh, the story of the Winters family begins to turn. Now, here's something interesting. Uh, Grandpa Mike Winters, who I am the namesake of, is not even my blood relative. My blood relative is Grandma Thelma's first husband. Grandpa Mike comes later in life and adopts my father, and thus I get the family name of a man who never had his own children. But the cool part about my grandmother Thelma's story is is that later in life, a neighbor boy came to her house… Uh, and offered to wash her dishes. My grandma was sick and needed some help, and the neighbor boy offered to wash dishes. And over dishes, a neighbor boy invited Grandma Thelma to church. And you realize my entire family story changes because a neighbor boy showed an act of kindness and invited my grandmother to church. Which, guys, which is why what you did last Sunday is such a big deal. As you invited friends and co-workers to come in this room and experience God. I, I wonder, I wonder if we changed any family stories together last Sunday. Because I have I've often wondered in my life what happens in my family story without a neighbor boy who washes dishes and invites my grandma to church. As a matter of fact, as I grew up as a young man, all I know of grandpa Mike and Grandma Thelma is god fears they, they already are living for Jesus. By the time I come along, I hear the story later uh, in my life. My parents uh, ended up divorced. I will tell you that because of my family story, <laughs> I put a stake in the ground. I just said, look, <laughs> I get it. I get it. I come from this heritage. I, I come from this line, and it's going to stop Here. This will be the last generation in the Winters family to experience divorce. We're done. I am going to be faithful to my wife. I am going to give my entire heart to my wife. I am going to show my children what it means to grow up in a Christian home from the day they're born till the day they die. We're rewriting the Winters family story because this is my chapter to write. Guys, I'm just going to tell you, I wouldn't know that. I wouldn't feel as convicted or deeply settled on that if I did not know my past. And I'm just going to encourage you that you leverage your family story into the lives of your children, that you simply say, look, the the Edwards that came before you, the Johnsons that came before you, here's their story. This This is what it's been like up until this generation. And you and I right now are going to do one of two things. Either you and I are going to look and we're going to say, look, I don't know that I like the Edwards family story up until now, so this is the generation that's going to write a new chapter. We're going to change the story. Or it may be just the opposite. You may come from a line of people who were God-seekers and God-followers and lived amazing, and your family story is, hey, look, you and I are now going to carry on. I mean, we've got such a legacy of people following God in our past, How could we do any less? And so we're going to take up where our ancestors left, and we're going to carry this on, because the Edwards family story is a story of following God. But guys, the psalmist starts by saying, do not hide the stories of the past. Let the past be the shoulders that you and I stand on as we tell our family story. Good, bad, ugly, and different. He goes on. Back to verse four. We will not hide from them, hide them from their children. We will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord and the wonders He has done. He decrees statutes for Jacob and established the law for Israel, which he commanded our forefathers, ready, to teach their children. So here's what he says, look, there has to be a sense in your life that right now you are writing the chapter. This is your chapter to write. And it is your and my job to teach and to instill and tell this family story and leverage it as far as we possibly can because here's the deal, guys. You and I only get to write one chapter. And the psalmist is saying, look, write it well. Write the best chapter you can possibly write, which, guys, here's, here's if, if nothing else sinks in today, What you are doing right now, what you are doing right now will be your chapter. It will be the story. Ready for this? It will be the story that your children tell their children. What you are doing right now will be the story. So, Which means, think about this. When, when you got laid off from your job, how did you react? Did, did you react like, like God had lost control and, and the world was coming apart? Did you run around in panic? Or in that moment, did you go, hey, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't understand it. I just know my God is faithful, and there's no reason for the Edwards to panic. Because you realize, in that moment, you wrote your family story. when the pressure gets on and when things are not going right, are you cutting corners? Are you sticking your own hands in to kind of fix whatever looks like God's problems? Are, 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 uh, do you lie to get out of trouble? Because whatever you're doing right now is the story your children will tell their children. You are writing your chapter. And what you do right now will be the story that's told. We had a, we had a gentleman on staff several years back, and I love this moment in his life. Uh, he, he had come to work here at the church, and he hadn't uh, been here real long. But in the process of moving and coming and being part of our staff, and didn't do so well selling his house back home. He got here and he had a pretty good uh, chunk of debt, about $8,000 worth of debt. And he had made a decision in his life, he and his wife, that said, look, we don't want her to work, we want her to be able to be home with the kids. So, the bulk of that basically fell on him, and as he was working here, Uh, He found himself in a place where he's going, look, we're not getting this debt taken care of uh, fast enough. And so his decision was to take a second job. So he was working and, I mean, he was being faithful here. He was doing everything he was supposed to do here. And when his week was done here, he was going out and working two more days a week uh, to try to pay down uh, his family debt. It came to tax time. And as they got to taxes, um, he sent his taxes back to the guy who'd always prepared his taxes in the past. He got it back... And there was something in his heart that just said, something doesn't feel right about my taxes. And he'd heard some of the other guys on staff talking about another person who had prepared their taxes. And he says, you know what I mean? I'm just going to call up that guy on the phone and see if he would even just take a quick look at my taxes and, you know, tell me if if he thinks, you know, just on a quick look, if it looks right. And so he sent his taxes away to this other gentleman and gets a phone call a couple days later and says, look, I haven't done your taxes. I, did, I just did a quick look on your taxes. But I, I think I see a pretty big mistake here. And, and if I'm right, uh, you're not only not getting anything back this year, I, I think you're going to owe about 1500 bucks. That's just my first pass, but I, again, I haven't done the taxes. What, what do you want me to do? Do you want me to do your taxes? And my friend Jeff... Uh, paused for a moment on the phone, and, and then the tax preparer, and I said, look, here's the deal. Uh, you can submit the taxes the other guy did. Uh, you can do that. I mean, in, in many ways, a lot of the Otis, a lot of the responsibility would be on him for having misprepared your taxes. And then if you did that, you'd actually be getting a little bit of money back. You wouldn't have the $1,500 debt if, if you want to do that. <laughs> and I love this moment <laughs> because Jeff knew that wouldn't be right. See, Jeff had two little boys, and he knew he was writing his family story. And so here's what he said to the tax preparer. No, you go ahead and finish and prepare my taxes. Fully knowing that he was probably gonna now have to take other shifts, work even more, to pay his debt. You wanna hear the cool part of the story? Uh, the taxman calls him back a few days later and says, hey, there really was, that mistake was there, but here's the deal. I found so many other mistakes that work to your favor in the taxes. You're getting a significant refund, and a matter of fact, my guess is, those mistakes were made in your past year's file. We can go back three years, refile, and get the money you did not get back from your taxes in the past. And when it was all said and done, every bit of his debt was wiped out. Yeah. But guys, that's not the cool part of the story. <laughs> you know what the cool part of the story is? Two boys who watch their daddy. See, th- there was a moment there where Jeff had to say, okay, so who is our family going to be? Who, who, who are the Gokies, Jeff Go- who, who are the Gokies going to be known for? And he had two Little boys watching. And, and I just wonder, I wonder in that moment if he had turned and said, okay, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to do the easy thing out and we're, you know, I mean, we're going to let, you know, hand in the old tax form. You know what he would have said to his sons? Hey, the Gokis are a family uh, that when it gets tough and, and, and maybe when it feels like God's not being fair and, and uh, here's, here's what we do, we take the easy way out. That's, what, that's, that's the Gokies. And instead... Instead, he clearly established for his family, no, 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 no. The Gokis are a family that, no matter how bad the chips get, no matter even if I live a moment where it feels like God maybe has let me down and hasn't been faithful and I've done everything I should and it's still not, the Gokis do what's right. That's who we are. Whether, you ready? Whether it turns out the way we want it to or not. So here's... You are writing right now, however you're living, whatever you're doing, however you're behaving, whatever habits your kids are seeing, whatever way you treat your wife, however you talk back to your husband, what you do when you do business, how you handle your finances, what words come out, you guys, you're writing the story of your family, the story your children will tell their children. Let me ask you the question. Are you writing the story you want to write? If we just call it done right now, a chapter ended, move on to the next chapter. Are you writing the chapter you want to write? When Someday when your family stands at your grave and we, we go back and we tell your chapter in the story, are you writing the story, the chapter that you want to write? And if not, it's not too late. There's still time. The chapter may be, here's how we started, but here's how we ended. Are you writing the chapter you want to write? And then lastly, the psalmist comes back. It's verse 6. So the next generation would know them, even the children yet to be born, and they in turn would tell their children... Then they would put their trust in God and would not forget His deeds, but would keep His commands. And you get what he's saying? He's saying, look, here's the deal. We're not living just in the moment, just in now. We're writing the story that we want our children's children to tell about us. It's me going back and talking about Grandma Thelma. It's me going… We're writing right now, and we're leveraging this moment that this story and how we've lived and and who we've established, that this will go on for generations beyond us because our children will be telling their children about us. This has future effect. This This could change the entire direction of our family. It could rewrite the Edwards family story. And guys, here's the deal. Could I just challenge you to live this chapter so well, so well, that you create a wake in your path, that your own children watching you live this chapter of family would say, I I just thought the Edwards were always God-fearing. I mean, I… Wow, if if that's how mom and dad lived, and that's the depth of their integrity, and that was the… That was the… The measure of their faith, and I mean if they, if they were so consistent and so faithful with God and if they were willing to sacrifice to do that in the name of Jesus, I mean if that 's what it is, then then how could I do any less? Live so well that your kids are literally sucked up in the wake of your story. Years ago, I was youth pastoring, and you guys know this. I had a freshman class that came through, that changed everything in our youth ministry. From the day that freshman class walked in, there was a heart for God, there was a passion for Jesus Christ. That, you ready for this? That from the time they were freshmen began to influence the seniors in our youth group. By the time they were sophomores. They had literally taken charge of the entire youth group. Their influence was so powerful, so deep, that our juniors and seniors were looking to the sophomore class for direction and for leadership. So great was their wake that the entire group followed them. And during that period of time, we literally captured, we were in a smaller town, there was only one high school. The high school would call us up, because so many of the kids in the youth group were either the president of Student Body Council, the members of the football team, or the church. The school would call us up and say, would you give us the church calendar? Because we're not going to plan anything when you're doing an event, because you'll win. We literally… We literally had a point where uh, one out of every nine kids on the high school campus was coming to our youth group on Sundays. Not because of me, because of them and their influence. Live a life so powerfully that your kids can't help but follow in your footsteps. I did a funeral a few years back. Unbelievably godly woman. She had lived so well for Jesus Christ and died too early. Her kids were all struggling. Every one of her kids was struggling to figure out who God was in their lives. And yet, I will tell you, it's probably the easiest funeral I ever preached. <laughs> because here's what I got to, to, was able to say Your mom already blazed the trail. See, your, your family heritage and history is already set. And it's good. And the only question in the room today is will you take the baton? Because she ran well. And today at her funeral, she's handing off to you. And will you live in the honor and the heritage of your mother? Live your life so well that future generations are caught in the wake of your chapter. That your chapter becomes the title of the Edwards family book. So well, then, how do you begin that? I mean, what do you, you know, what do you, what do, you do? And I, you know what? I think, I think it's as easy, guys, as telling the story. And so here's my question. Would your kids know the story? Could your kids tell me your family's story? And then in the process of telling me the story, would they be able to do this? Would they be able to say, look, this is, this is who we have been in the past, either good or bad or whatever that is. This is who we've been in the past. But here's who we are now. This is who we have chosen to be, following God and sold out to Jesus Christ. The past may not be great, but the present is glowing. This is who we are from this day forward. Could your kids tell me the story? And, and I just want to give you a, a, a way to go and say, but I'm not sure. And do this. Do, do what I did earlier. Break out the family pictures. Just have a family night and sit down and say, look, you know, here's Aunt Alice, and yes, she did, she, you know, bootlegged, you know, it's okay, let me, you know. Go through the story and bring, bring it and go, look, you know, here's what we learned from Aunt Alice, and here, here's your Uncle Ted, the horse thief, and here it is. And, but let me tell you where the tide turned, and let me tell you who we are today. And then you guys ready? And I think one of the most powerful things you can do in the life of your children is turn to them and say, and here's who I hope you'll be. Because of the sacrifices your mom and me, your father and me have made to rewrite the family story. And our hope is that you'll carry it on from here. Let's bow our heads. Family. Family is wildly, wildly powerful in our lives. And so I'm just, I'm just asking. You're writing a chapter. Every part of your life, everything you do right now is writing a chapter in your family story. And and my question is simple enough, is it the chapter you want to write? Is it the story you want told when you're done? And if not, it's okay. It's not too late. Start writing the right chapter. Start start making the story what it needs to be. That the Edwards, that the Johnsons, that the Gokies would forever be known as people who followed God without apology write that chapter. Dear Lord Jesus, we, we simply come before You in the moment. And God, we're just going to be honest, we've, we've been a little bit casual about this. We've, we've been so busy just going to work and coming home and paying bills. We, we haven't even thought that much about how deeply how we're doing life is actually writing our family's story and God, we've entrusted with this, this one chapter to write. And God, here's our heart. Could it be the best chapter? Could it, could it be the chapter that forever defines our family, our, our lineage? Help us to write that story. In Jesus' name, amen.